And we are in the seventh session, and we've been talking a little bit about when you choose level three. Safety is an issue, when, when there's a safety issue for the child, when um, this is something that the parent is aware of their own safety, if you will, their own self-control. So we as the parent have to be fully in control. And if you're not, then just don't do this. Now here's, here's the catch-22. If you're not in control, that's when you're least likely to make that kind of decision, right? So it's very important to be looking at this way ahead of time and building those self-control things in anyway because th the worst thing that can possibly happen to us in parenting is for us to lose our control because I guarantee you it's going to be a negative that happens. It, it, I mean, various degrees of negativity in terms of the effect on the child, but it will not be good. So that's extremely important. In your manual, there are actually disclaimers and warnings, because when we first uh, wrote this, I was part of an agency, and even then, and that was 1985, I believe we copyrighted this the first time, even then there was that much concern over liability of somebody taking what we're doing and applying it in a bad way. Um, and I'm going to share with you a, a very specific example of that, and I'm going to burn an author, and it's not because I hate the guy, it's because it's dangerous. Um, but that's going to wait. Let's look at the two level three methods. The first one is one that pretty much any parent can use of any child, any age, and that's forced control. Now, forced control is what uh, I refer to as the use of physical or legal force. Remember that. As long as that child is under your roof and is a minor, if you're the primary parent, you have legal control over that child. Okay? Now, you don't have legal control over a border. So when they're 18... If they're staying at home, they that's their status. They're, they're a boarder, just like any other person who's uh, renting, even if the rent is zero, a room from you. But you do have legal control over your premises, and you have legal control over the child. The child has literally no legal rights to self-determination unless a judge gives them that right under the age of 18. So what that means is that when you see things going out of control, you have not only the right, but a responsibility to step in. Okay? So here's some guidelines. Hopefully you've read them all by now, and you've uh, already, if you've got questions, you're ready to throw those out. But uh, first of all, this is done only when the child or youth is out of control. By, by definition, force control is you using uh, physical or legal force to take control away from them. Now, physical two-year-old, yes or no? Would you, would you physically take control of a two-year-old? Well, if he's getting ready to put something in a light socket, you, yeah. or you pick him up. Of course. Okay, what about a five-year-old? I think the same thing, depending on the situation. Okay. Again, pick up and remove and what about a ten-year-old? Some of you aren't as quick to say yes. Thank you. It, it, where's the 10-year-old? Is the 10-year-old capable of responding to other forms of control? 
What about the 16-year-old? Yeah. About the only time I would recommend physical control of a 16-year-old or an attempt at it, because let's be real, I've, I've seen 13-year-old girls beat up their mother who tried to take physical control. So uh, it, it's not always going to be possible. I've seen parents, fathers usually, brag about, well, my kid could never take me. Well, okay, good for you. What in the world does that mean? You know, if, if I've got a 16-year-old and the biggest thing I can say is that I can physically beat him up, boy, have I already lost, <laughs> you know. And if I'm relying on that, then I might be able to do it. I might be able to control my kid until he's gone. But when he's gone, I will not have trained him. I will not have taught him. Okay. So about the only time I would recommend this is if the, the youth is literally, physically out of control and about to endanger himself or others. And honestly, it's the same thing that I would use about any of you. If one of you just totally flipped out or was under the influence of something and you were about to uh, pick up a gun or get behind a wheel, I've, I have physically stepped in and grabbed keys before. Why not? I, I don't want to see someone get killed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by that time, we're no longer really acting in that moment just as parent, but just as a responsible adult saying... This person could get killed. Why in the world would I let that happen? Okay? So, next, the application of force, particularly physical force, must be safe. Okay? Now, here's, here's something that is hard when we're talking adolescence. Sometimes the application of legal force indirectly is not safe. And yet it might be necessary anyway. What do I do with a 16-year-old or 17-year-old who absolutely refuses any uh, control, absolutely refuses to curtail behaviors that are not only threatening him or her, but others in the home? Like drug use or something you mean? Could be drug use, could be violence. It could be just saying, stick it in your ear, I'll do whatever I want, and going out all hours of the night and bringing people home who maybe are not real safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, call the police or something. Yeah. See, I have to decide, am I going to use, calling the police would be using legal control. But once I do that, the result might be that child or youth not being in my home anymore. Yeah. And where exactly do we think they're going to be? Because a 16, 17-year-old, there's almost nowhere that's going to take them. We might be able to find someone, but the reality is we're probably going to have to be willing to face this. Am I willing to boot him out or boot her out? I never, I never faced this with a him. I faced it with one of my hers. Am I willing to boot her out knowing it could kill her? That's a hard decision. Mm -hmm. But what's the alternative? The alternative, if the alternative is to allow her to stay and learn that she doesn't have to do anything I say. And I can point to dozens of families where that's what's going on right now. Um, it may be necessary. So, unfortunately, with the legal control of a youth, we can't always guarantee safety. 
But for physical control, if we can't guarantee safety, well, then why are we doing it? I mean, the whole point is to make sure they're safe. So if the way we're making sure they're safe isn't safe, and, and, and I'm not referring to the obvious, you know, the, the house is burning down, and I'm going to go in, and I, yes, we might both die in the attempt, but, you know, w when things are like that are happening, let's face it, none of us is going to think about this paradigm. We're going to see fire. We're going to do whatever we need to do. Um, and frankly, I have a strong suspicion everybody in this room would be rushing into the house trying to save a kid. And if no one else is around, that's probably what should happen. But that's not a discipline. That's not what we're talking about. Another guideline is that before force control is invoked, you should clarify very, very specific limits. Okay, if you're going to be here, if you're going to be in this home. Now, am I talking two-year-olds? No. But once I bring the two-year-old out, you may not leave this room. Two-year-olds understand that. They may leave the room immediately after you said it, but they understand it. So I want to clarify that whenever I can. And for adolescents, I want to clarify it before I do anything. And yet, having said that, I also, in the manual, say never use threats or warnings. So wait, how do those go together? So what's the point of clarifying something if it's not a warning or a threat? Because if they're able to understand it and respond to it positively, then you don't need to use force control. Bingo. It's a way of kind of a last-ditch effort to avoid, and by definition we're talking older kids, and the more you do of force control with older kids, the more uh, the price you're going to pay. So this is a way of kind of getting their attention and saying, hey, do you understand? This will not happen in my house, and if it does, then this is going to be the response. That's not a threat. It's not a warning. It's a statement. And that first part was not rhetorical. Do you understand? If the answer is yes, and I believe it, I can probably ratchet down to level two. If, on the other hand, they fly off the handle, they fly out of the room, whatever, okay, now I know. And what I'm about to do, I can look myself in the mirror the next morning and say, I didn't have a choice. And believe me, at, at level three with teenagers, that looking yourself in the mirror thing is going to be pretty important. What did you say? You said this will not happen in my house, and if it does... Then this is what's going to happen. Oh, then this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Use sufficient strength or action to regain control. You do not use more than is necessary to regain control, because the whole point is they're out of control. So let's pull them back into control. Um, you are indirectly training them to kind of be in control themselves, but in reality, what you're really trying to do is get them back to the point where you can begin training them. Because they're out of control. This is not a learning moment. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, then you return control to them gradually. Gradually, because you want to make sure they're able to handle it. And this is, this is true of a four-year-old who's freaking out. And I've, I've done what I call the, uh, the snake um, you guys are all aware I raise giant snakes. I raise giant snakes. So um, what a python or a boa does, I find somehow very natural. So 
one of the ways to control a four-year-old who's kicking, screaming, and about to hurt herself is you pick them up and you just hug them like this, and then their little legs are just kicking because they're trying to hurt you. And so you kind of include that, and then the arm goes, and then you include that. And you're not suffocating them, ever. You're always making sure they can breathe safely. But you're controlling what they can do to hurt you or someone else or themselves. And when you do that, you'll get to a certain point, and you're all, every one of you is big enough to do it, that you're, you're just, you're frozen. And they're frozen. And you're just, you're feeling it. They're, they're straining with all their might. And then what's going to happen is all of a sudden they're going to go, <sighs> it's amazing. It happens every time. And with a, ki a kid that age, what's going on is all of the hormones, the, you know, the adrenaline, all that other stuff, um, is run its course. And now they just sort of deflate. Okay, now they're deflated. However, if this is the third or fourth time, they know what you're doing. So don't put it past them to deflate, and then you start to let go, and then they just tear. No, we're going to do this slowly. And if they're able to be in control, then fine. I'm, I'm not interested in putting them down. Okay? So can you see why I keep putting all of the qualifications, you know? Now, again, trying that on a 16-year-old, uh, that's going to get really iffy. You might be able to pull it off, but probably not near as safely. Okay, so with a 16-year-old, the control becomes um, gradual, giving it back to them. And um, you, you want to make sure they're ready to accept that and be in control, or you're just like that, right back where you started. All right. You need to make sure you are under self-control and that you have enough stress releases. That's what Paul was talking about earlier. And that's an advanced thing. You, you can't do that in the midst of all of this. It's too late. Okay. Uh, by the way, you should probably, again, looking at all of you who are parenting with a spouse, you should probably be willing to trust your spouse enough that if your spouse says... I think you need to stop. You stop. Okay? So you maybe need to talk it out in advance, but when, when that other person who is your co-parent, who is uh, a co-primary even, says to you, hey, you need to stop, that's a sign that you might not be quite as in control as you think you are. And that's probably somebody you need to trust. So, okay, we're backing away. Finally, you need to know and observe legal limitations. Okay, not only to keep you out of jail, but because the scriptures tell us that we're to obey the law. Okay, so what legal limitations can you think of that would apply to force control? Okay, don't physically abuse. And how can you be sure force control would not be physically abusive? What, what principle can you use? Uh, I would say it's a different uh, criteria, but a, a good one. You, you have to have reasonable force. You have to be able to say if someone asks you why you did that. It was necessary in order to keep him from hurting himself. Why? Because he was kicking himself with his leg or kicking someone else with his leg. Okay. But 
here's, here's a general rule of thumb about abuse. Abuse is harm. Abuse is not hurt. You might hurt a child by doing what I was describing earlier. Okay? And I don't want to do that because if I leave a mark, I'm probably going to be investigated. And who needs that, right? But the reality is that if this child is, is truly out of control, you go out and grab a kid in the street, you might leave a mark too. You're not going to say, well, I don't know, I'm going to have to grab just careful enough to... No, you're going to get them out of the street. And, if, and honestly, if anybody's got a problem with that, let me know. We'll go together and help you get an attorney. But you take care of the child's needs first, right? But you and I both know that there is a way to do almost all of this stuff that is over. That's no longer just controlling, but it actually can harm a child. Okay, so we've got to be aware of what those things are, and they've got to be off limits. Okay, any other legal limits that you can foresee with force control? I actually refer to this in the manual. That wasn't necessarily meaning go look it up, but... <laughs> one of the things that you are not allowed to do by law is lock a child in a closet and walk away. Now that's going to be a small one because a 16-year-old will kick the door in and now you got to replace the door too. So just makes it worse. But with a 16-year-old, hey, I can tie him up. I got rope. I got duct tape. I know some people who've even got handcuffs. That's what the cops are going to do if they come, right? You don't get to do that. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. The cops... I mean, let, let's face it, we're, we're all hyper-aware even of the risk they take mm -hmm. with the news. And rightfully so. If we're going to turn that kind of power over to somebody, there ought to be that, that level of accountability. But we're not trained in it, and these are our kids. We're not dispassionate. So, no, don't go buy a pair of handcuffs and handcuff your kid to the wall or something like that. Um, again, believe it or not, there are people who do this. It is against the law in and of itself. There's a good reason it's against the law. But even if you don't buy the reason, doesn't matter. It's still against the law. Don't do that. Okay? So, with force control, let's say you have that 14 or 15-year-old. What kind of force control might you have to invoke? Give me, a, give me a situation and what, what might happen. What might you do? If you're talking about like that, the sexual involvement with, with someone from school, well, force control would be you don't get to see that person anymore. And now, how are you going to legally enforce that? Legally enforce it? Mm -hmm. Can you legally say to a 16-year-old, you will not connect with that person? Yeah, mm -hmm. sure. Yes, legally. Absolutely, you Might have that right. Might be a million restraining. I was thinking the same thing. Well, that, that is an ultimate legal uh, approach, but you can do it in other ways that are uh, easier and hopefully will work. If they don't work, then you may go to the restraining order. But remember, you are the legal force over your kids under the law. Okay. Now, remember, you're also, well, you're not the. 
your half of the. So this is one of those places you want to have as much unity as possible. So that, that kid that, uh, let's say I have a girl, and I've said, you will not connect with that boy. And she does. What do I do? What can I do? I now know she's out with him. Right now, she's out with him. I found out. Could. Go get her. Go get her. Could. Now, to go get her, I want to make a judgment. How far out of control is this kid? Is this like the 30th time she's done it, she couldn't give a rip what I say? Or is this the first time she's done anything like that? She was trying to deceive me and hide. So when I show up, I mean, it's going to have major impact, but it's not going to have the, you know, flip me off and what do I care? So like everything else, I as the parent have to make a judgment. So I show up and she's in a movie. Legally, what should I do? Okay, that's, that's going to be the effect. Legally, there's a way I need to go about it. Who is legally responsible for that movie theater? The manager. The manager is. So I go to the manager and I say, hi, here's my name. My minor daughter is in the theater with a young man I have not given her permission to be with. I want her out now. Just had a bad day. Oh, yes, he has. Because <laughs> like I just put him between the proverbial rock and hard place, except the rock's harder than hard place. Because um, if he has any understanding at all, he knows that while he doesn't want to do that, he doesn't have a choice. Now, he could say, would you like me to go get her or would you like to do that? And again, I now have a decision to make. And I have to make that decision. Um, and I can have him go, not, you know, I'm going to have to go with her, with him, because he doesn't know what she looks like, and she's in the movie theater. So This one, by the way, is not being made up. This was an actual for me. And the funny thing is that the young lady in question is now probably the most conservative of all of the kids in, in terms of behavior and parenting. However... That was her thing. So I went into the theater, and as it happened, there were two couples. One of them was in her 60s. I was pretty sure that wasn't her. <laughs> and then there was her, sitting right smack in the middle of the theater with this young man. So I stood at the end of the row, and I waited. It was when, when she finally saw me. He actually saw me first. He's kind of like, <laughs> now I didn't know this young man honestly I, I did not know him by sight but I was visible enough at the school that he knew me by sight so he knew who I was and, he's, and it's like this and then he goes like this and then she goes because she doesn't want me to think she saw me even though it was really obvious she saw me I mean we're, we're talking kids right and then they just froze and it really was funny, to be honest with you. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> laughing, but it was funny because they had no idea what to do. She didn't get up and come over to me. She didn't, I mean, she had no concept of what to do. She just froze. So I walked down the aisle, tapped her on the shoulder and said, like this, and we left. Now, 
had she not left with me, what should I have done? Told the manager to tell her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I, I grab her and start trying to drag her out. No, 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 no. Bad idea. <laughs> then I go back to the manager and say, middle row, the one, the girl that's not 65. It's easy to tell. <laughs> I want her out of there now or I'm calling the police. I guarantee you that manager is going to go get her. And he's going to tell her never to come back because he doesn't like this. <laughs> so she's out. By the way, the boy, not moving from the seat. <laughs> not going anywhere. This, this guy might kill me. I am not moving. Right here. I, I did, I will confess, entertain thoughts of physical violence upon his person. Um, I don't think I would have done it. But on the other hand, yeah, he was pretty smart to stay seated. <laughs> so she and I left, and we walked out. I opened the door to the van. Her mother was in the van, and home we went. That's force control. Everything that came after that was communication, consequences. We're, we're back down to level one and level two. But I couldn't do those things until that happened. Um, and now, honestly, it's hilarious, it's funny, it's all of those things. That was my low point as a father. Because my daughter, who, who grew up knowing the Lord, in fact, when I asked her, where was the Holy Spirit when you decided to do this? You know what her answer was? Mm -hmm. Screaming in my ear. And she meant it. She knew exactly what she was doing, not just with me, but with God. But it happens. And we've got to be willing to do what's necessary. Now, you may choose something different. You've got to decide, is this person safe? And if you decided she was safe, you may have let her finish that night out. I knew the kid's reputation. As it turned out, he was all mouth, but still... I didn't know that, and I wasn't going to find out. I wasn't going to let her find out the hard way. So, no, not letting that happen. Now, the, the thing I'm trying to emphasize here is this was not force. Not at one point did I ever even touch her except tapping her on the shoulder. There was no force involved, but it was still force control. And the thing that drove her crazy is it was like the whole world conspiring against her because she knew. She was stuck, and she was right. I'm a 13, or I'm, a, I'm the mother of a 13-year-old girl who says, I will not go to school. And you say, yes, you will. And she says, no, I won't, and you can't make me. Now what? Okay. Okay, first thing you do is... Is there in this jurisdiction, and there's not always, unfortunately, but a lot of places actually have truant officers. There are, I don't know if you're aware of it, in Orange School District and Anaheim School District, there are actual police officers who are truant officers. That's their job. So, yeah, get them involved. Is this after eliminating, like, there's got to be something going on for them not to go? Oh, you think? Is this just defiance? <laughs> like... Yeah. To the parent, or is this like there's something going on at school that is harmful? Or no, no, this is entirely between her and the mother. Oh, okay. 
entirely between her and her mother. This was one. This was a circumstance. This was not mine, thankfully. This was a circumstance that I was called into as an in-home parent educator when I was with the family support center, and mom uh, was not as wise as you guys. Mom decided I'm bigger than she is, and she beat the snot out of her. Daughter beat the snot out of mom, mm -hmm. not the other way. So the next time it happened, mom's scared snotless now because she had to snot beat up. So it's like, now what do I do? I, I can't make her go. So she called us. <laughs> well, I just happened to know the police department in that jurisdiction. I was a chaplain with them. Uh, and the reason I say that is because there are jurisdictions that will tell you, forget it. And there's other jurisdictions that will say, well, we can't do this all the time, but we're going to help you now. And there's others that you know, basically they'll be at your back and call. And a lot of it's going to have to do with who's in charge and how much time do they have. She was in the county. That was a good thing because the sheriff's department was far less busy than the police department was in the city. And I said, you call the sheriff. 13-year-old was escorted to class by a deputy sheriff in a patrol car at mom's insistence. It was the law. They did not, by the way, have a truant officer. So that was part of their job, is to function as the truant officers. And the uh, particular deputy in question was savvy enough to know that if he just dropped her off, what's she going to do? She's gone. She's history. So he did not drop her off. He escorted her into the building, into the principal's office, and said, this young lady thinks she doesn't need to be in school today. Her mother thinks she does. So I will be ensuring she's in school all day long. Now, again, he functioned as truant officer. Most jurisdictions are not going to say the all day long thing. They don't have time for that. Um, the young lady was horribly embarrassed by it. But she stayed in school all day long. And she never pulled that again. She was not, by the way, the model kid. She was not even close to the model kid. She was a really little jerk. But that's okay. Mom worked pretty hard to get her to be a little jerk, so she had to work kind of hard to undo it. But now she could because the kid's not threatening to beat her up if she says something she doesn't like. Um, all of those things, you know, that's force control. All right, let's real quick talk about spanking. I say real quick because most of you, your children are too old, don't do it, okay? But we'll walk through this, and then I want to come back and just, let's just practice the paradigm, the, the thought process. So let's talk about spanking. Spanking, I define spanking this way, and everything I say is talking about what I'm defining it to be. So if you decide that kicking, punching, backhanding, uh, things like that are spanking, you're on your own. I disavow anything you're doing. Spanking is the application of the palm of the hand with mild force to the child's hand, and I mean child, not youth, um, and or batak. Or choose both of the batak's if you wish. Okay? Everybody hear what I said? Yeah. What did I not say it is? A belt. It is not a belt. It's not a wooden spoon. It's not a spoon, it's not, it's not slapping, punching. it's not a fist. Those are all things that are by law abusive. Okay? And I happen to support those laws. 
every, the first year I, I started doing this, I think I shared with you, I was doing a lot of this in home because people had actually lost their children. Every one of them had used some instrument to, quote, spank their children. Here's where I burn an author. Every one, well, all but one of them. Here's one that was just doing it. But all but one of the others was doing it because they had read a book. A book by James Dobson. How many of you have heard of James Dobson? Now, let me say, James Dobson has done more to bring in the last 35, 40 years the family and family uh, dynamics, family studies, family ministry, to the forefront, particularly for Christians, than any other human being. The irony is James Dobson wouldn't know a family if it bit him on the nose. He is a behavioral psychologist, not a family scientist. And James Dobson taught, and you can find the books, he's corrected some of this in later editions, but the earlier editions of a book called Dare to Discipline. He taught that parents should spank their children always with a wooden spoon or a paddle or some other instrument. His reasoning is that of any behavioral psychologist. He believes that animal studies directly apply to humans. And uh, I'm not even sure it's, it's something you could support that well with dogs, but the prevailing theory is that if you swat a dog uh, on the snout, for example, if it urinates on your carpet, uh, if you use your hand, you will teach the dog that your hand is about punishment and it will grow to fear you and eventually to want to bite you. And so kids will too. Guess how much research there is to support that? None. Zero. Absolutely 100% zero. In fact, there are tons of studies that say that's nonsense. But here's the other problem. I'm assuming that you are not a world champion racquetball player. Mm -hmm. Is there any world champion racquetball players in the room? Okay. I played racquetball and was most certainly not world champion. Um, racquetball is about eye-hand coordination, among other things. And if I have that spoon, spanking is about eye-hand coordination. Every one of the parents that I worked with tried to spank their child and A, by the way, had no idea how hard they were using because they can't feel it. They don't have nerve endings in that paddle or that spoon. But B, they're trying to now use an instrument, and it's like hitting the racquetball. And by the way, the child's usually moving. Have you noticed? Plus so, the force multiplier by yes. the extension of that thing, you're hitting harder. Yes. And so all of these things make it extremely likely you're actually going to harm that child. Whereas the palm of the hand, first place, I know exactly how hard I just hit that table. And by the way, that hurt my hand. Just that. So I know if I do that to the butt of a child, I know exactly what force I just applied and what I didn't. I'm, I'm way better at putting my hand where it goes when it's just that than I would be with an extension of a foot or 18 inches. And I'm not going to break... They're coccyx. And that was one of the families with a wooden spoon, just like that, a little too high, and chipped the tailbone. Into the ER, police come in, arrest the parents, take the kids out. It is a nightmare. 
Did the parents want all of that? Of course not. They weren't trying to harm their child. They read a book by a Christian author telling them that's what they were supposed to do. Dobson also said, by the way, to spank the child until, repeatedly, until you hear the cry of the child change from one of rebellion to one of submission. Mm. What in the world does that mean? If you, if you think I'm you know, a little hard on him, I'm sorry, but I've seen a lot of families harmed by this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be outspoken on this. And yet here I am saying spanking can be a very useful thing if you do the right thing with it, okay? So, here's some other things. The parent must, first of all, believe that spanking is a useful tool for that child. Now, that seems obvious. Believe it or not, studies have shown that uh, as many as two-thirds of parents surveyed do not believe in spanking as a discipline method, and yet consistently two-thirds of parents surveyed use it. Now, do the math. What does that tell you? at least one-third of those parents are out of control. They're using a method they themselves don't believe is useful. So you, you have to be out of control to do that. So for parents like that, bad idea. Bad idea. If you don't believe in it, don't do it. Okay? This is something that you put thought into. It's very intentional. Uh, the parent must have self-control. If you do not have self-control, don't do it. And again, you could say, well, uh, how can I not do it if I'm not in control? Well, yeah, that's where it comes back to when I say don't do it, I mean ever. If you're a person who struggles with your temper, especially with the children, never do this. Maybe it's your spouse who, if you're going to use it, you delegate this to. Or maybe you simply don't have this tool in your toolbox. It's, it's a tool. It's not the tool. It is a tool. It can be a very useful tool. But then you have to say, well, who is this tool for? What age, what developmental level do you suppose this is most effective for? Sensory motor. Sensory We're talking senses like that. Now, by the way, again, I said mild force. Did you remember that? Mm -hmm. We had a game in our house. And uh, honestly, the game is just an illustration. It's not what started this part, but um, I remember very clearly when that game started. We lived in a one-bathtub uh, house, and uh, Josh and, and Sarah are 17 months apart, so at this age, they're young enough, we're not really worried about mixing them, and it was just a lot easier to give them a bath at the same time. So we're in the living room, because the bathtub room does not have room. So we're in the living room. Okay, guys, get your clothes off, get ready for your bath. So the kids peel all the clothes off. And now they're wild and free, and they're loving it, you know. And one of them, I believe it was Josh, but I'm not positive, starts doing an A-frame walk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Legs, arms straight, legs straight. So it's like an A with his little butt flying in the air, you know. And starts doing this, and then the other one's, oh, that's funny. So she starts doing it too. And they do this back to the bathtub. And I don't know what came over me, but there it was. So I ran up and went, I got your target, which started a game that continued for roughly 18 years. <laughs> yeah, that was embarrassing. 18 years was their little sister who wasn't quite born yet, but, you know. And, I mean, they would come behind me and do that, 
And when they were like five years old, I let them. But I would come up behind them and do that. And I could come up to one of my kids and do this. Now, if you're listening on, online, I just hurt my hands doing that. That was hard. And they would turn to me, and they would kind of cock their head and look, and I would say, got your target, and they would giggle. But if I stood them, talked to them, said, Daddy's got his spank now, and did this, I mean, almost not touching them, they would start crying, and they were so sad, and they were just losing it. It's not about just the force, okay? So when parents say, well, but I just can't spank hard enough for it to make any difference, you've probably outlived the usefulness of this tool for that child. Because now the temptation is to just keep increasing, increasing. I guarantee you, I can break the back of any five-year-old by spanking them. Any, any adult male can. Probably most of you ladies could. So this is not something I want to mess with. Okay? All right. We're going to make sure that we're under control. We've got to make sure we have our own stress releases. We need to review the reason of spanking with a child. This is done for two reasons. One is you find out whether they really need to be spanked. There are times when I said, okay, I need to spank you. Do you know why? And they look at me and literally, no. <laughs> and, okay, I may not be at level three then. So let's talk about it. Let's figure out what's going on. Um, but usually it was, yes, I know, okay. Now, I just did two things. I made sure they understood, so now it is definitely a teaching tool. Ask any of my kids today, did you enjoy being spanked? How many will say yes? Well, duh, no, of course not. But if you say, do you believe you're being spanked or punished? They all know what I'm talking about, and they will all tell you, I was being spanked to teach me. Okay? They get it. And the studies are, are fairly consistent, not that there's a lot of them done, that kids, even adults, can look back and they know the difference. They know, did my parents do that to punish me or did they do that out of discipline? And guess which one's more effective? Of course it is. Of course it is. The other one's effective. I don't want to do that because I don't want to get hit. But as soon as I'm not afraid of them hitting me anymore, it just went right out the window. Okay. The other thing it does is if I have to review the reason with them, I have to be in control myself. If I can't sit down and calmly talk about the reason, I have no business doing this. So there's times when we would just send the kids into their room and say, you need to just go in there and think about what, you're, what you did. We'll be in in a little bit. And they would just kind of look, and it's, I've got to make sure I'm under control. It's okay for your kids to hear that. They, they kind of like the idea of you being under control. Because the other part's really scary. Okay? Um, spend time reassuring the child of their love after you spank. This one's fun. Because the anti-spanking people who see this, and I used to do this for social workers all the time, and boy, did they tear into me. Um because it's very unpopular to use spanking with most social workers. And they would say, that's the stupidest thing you've ever heard. You just spanked them, and now you're, you're confusing them and telling them you love them. You know, the funny thing is, the only person that was ever confused was a social worker. <laughs> I knew what was going on. The kids knew what was going on. In fact, what would happen with my kids, you may not experience the same thing, but I would just hold my kids. 
I would spank them and say, come here, I need to hug you. And we would talk sometimes, you understand why I needed to do that? Yeah. And then, and I don't know which one started, it's probably Josh, because he's the oldest, but there was this tradition that got passed down through the three of them. At some point, roughly 30, 60 seconds usually, it wasn't very long, they would look up and shove me, usually sitting on the side of the bed or something, and they would push me and giggle. And it was like the sign, we're done with that, right? Yes, we're done with that. You need to learn from it, but we're done with that. That's not hanging over your head anymore. And not one of them ever thought it was. They went on, and, and life's fine. So the reason that's so important is, otherwise, what our kids learn is, mom or dad is bigger than me. Mom or dad can hit me. Mom or dad will do that when mom or dad is mad, and then walk away because mom and dad hate me. Okay, This is what they feel. And they will internalize it, and that's hard to get out of them. Use no more force than necessary, you said that. Spank privately, meaning never in front of other kids, even siblings, because that will humiliate, and, and we're, we're told in Scripture not to humiliate our kids. So pull them aside, have that conversation. Yeah, the other kids know what's going on because they've been there, but that's okay, they're not right there. And by the time the child leaves the room and goes back out, everything's fine, they can deal with it. I consider this to not be something that should be used for a large number of different things. Remember, this is level three. Most things can be dealt with in other ways. Um, I usually will say six to eight years old max, and I personally erred on six, because by the time my kids were six, seven years old, consequences worked better. Why am I doing this? It's not to punish them. So if something else works better, that's where I ought to go with it, right? Um, not to mention the fact that by the time they're eight years old, they're usually at that stage where you're either going to hit them very, very hard or why are you, you, don't do it. Because the kids are thinking about it and the kids are the ones saying, I didn't even feel that. Okay, Again, they've outgrown the method now. For us... We actually sat down as mom and dad and said, so what, what should we use this for? So we decided it was only going to be for major offenses, not necessarily out of control, because this isn't forced control, but major offenses we didn't want to see happen again. And we're talking small children. So we're not talking, you know, they're using drugs or things like that. So what kinds of things can you think of for small children that might fit that? Lying was actually one of our three. Stealing. Stealing? Okay. Like in a store or something. Taking a okay. candy off a rack or something. Although it, it maybe it's the same for a sibling. I don't know. Because <laughs> you know, depending on the circumstances, it might be the same to the child. So stealing, that's a big deal. Well, it's about, you know, hurting another kid or animal or something like that. That was another one of our three. Because... And, and again, this is one of those places where I've been ridiculed. So let me hear this straight. You're going to teach your kid not to hit by hitting them. Honestly, I mean, I'm at one of those places I love it now because would you like me to introduce you to them? Would you like to interview them and see how that went? Because it went really well. 
if you, any of you, get so angry at me that you get up and you come over here and you just belt me, what happens to you? Get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and if you try to, to forcibly resist that guy arresting you, what do they do? Choke hold. They might choke you. They might smash you in the mouth. They might taser you. It's going to be force. They sick their dog on you. Might sick the dog on you. Boy, that was always scared me. I grew up watching demonstrations of guard dogs. Yeah, see, this is real life. We're teaching our kids what happens in real life. It's not a bad thing to teach, and it is not the least bit contradictory, because what we're saying to them is there are people who have been given the authority to use force. Very few. The rest of us don't. See, the one thing is not, I'm not going to belt you back, Lord willing. To be honest with you, I haven't put in, been put in that position in the last 40 years, and I've been really grateful. So I'm pretty sure I won't. And, and I really, unless, if you just belt me and then you step back and walk away, guess what? I don't have the right to come over and hit you. I can be arrested for doing that because I'm no longer in a self-defense situation. That's only if you're still trying to hit me again. So we're teaching our kids a reality that they're going to live with the rest of their lives, and they'll get it. I've never met a child who was being disciplined with spanking, who thought it was teaching them violence, or who did teach violence. I have met many, including myself, who was punished with it. And usually it's not even going to be what I would call spanking, who turned violent because of it. Because what they're seeing is, he's bigger than me, he can use force to get his way. Okay, it works. See, that's the lesson punishment teaches. It is not the lesson discipline teaches. And we need to be careful to hurt, but not harm. Now, when I say hurt, even that little one, you know, if I've got an 18-month-old who's not, like, totally trained and they've got the padded butt still, and I do that, guess what? They didn't feel that. <laughs> I have to shove just a little for them to know that was, oh, that's what that was. And then they start crying, okay? So I hurt them. But if I've got a 5-year-old and I do that, yeah, that's not going to feel good. I mean, let's be real. It's not going to hurt a lot. Like I said, I can come behind them and play the game, and they think it's funny. But it does hurt a little, but I'm never harming. The state uses this gauge. Harm leaves a mark. Now, the problem with that is that you can leave a mark in a lot of ways, and you've got to be very careful. But that is, that is the law. If you leave a mark, count on a visit from Protective Services. It will happen. Um, which means, okay, let that be one of your guidelines because that's not going to help anybody, okay? And, and by the way, I am a fan of protective services except they usually do exactly the opposite of what everybody accuses them of and that's a problem because they are so overworked and under-budgeted that I've literally in my career had three times where I had to threaten them with exposure, which would have been against the law for me, but what are you going to do? To literally save a child's life. Because 
they're not there to yank kids every time they get a chance. They, they have to go through an amazing amount of stuff to do that. That's not what they're wanting to do. So, personally, I'm not uh, in the least putting down protective services when I refer to them that way. Okay. They've got a very, very hard job. Most of them are poorly equipped, poorly trained, poorly funded. So, but the reality is there's a lot of children who are abused and neglected. So it's a real need. Now, again, very, very careful on all of those. And if you want to talk more about the application of that, I'd be happy to do that with you. we got about 15 minutes left. And again, my real focus here is that you guys will be able to see something happen and think through this whole process. So let me throw one at you. 11 years old. 11 years old. Um, somebody give me a gender. I'll let yeah. you pick. What? 11-year-old girl, and 11-year-old girl is lying. And this is not the first time that you have caught her lying. She has lied to you, and she's lied to at least one of her teachers because that's how this one came to your attention. So a teacher called you and said, uh, little Sarah has been lying. Little Sarah, in my life, by the way, never, ever, ever. She just wouldn't. She did everything else, but never lied. So that's why I chose her name, Sarah, if you're ever listening. There you go. Okay, so is it a discipline matter? Yes. Thank you. Believe it or not, there are parents who would say no. I've worked with parents who would say no. Is it a prevention or correction matter? Correction. It's already happened, so it's correction. Now comes the, the fun stuff. Is it... Level one, level two, level three. One of the ways you can think that through, you use all those criteria, but one of the criteria is effectiveness, right? So one of the ways you think that through is also going to that other thing I said put on the card, list all the possible methods. So think through the level one methods. What might be utilized? Communication. Communication. What else? Reinforcement. Now, for reinforcement, you have to, because we're that in, in the manual, we're referring to what's called positive reinforcement, yeah. um, which means you have to wait until they don't lie and then you reward the truth. Even if it's something that, you know what, I know that wasn't easy for you to say, that's even better because you reward the risk of telling the truth. Okay, what else? Restructuring. Restructuring. Okay, structuring isn't working because this is correction. But you have to know more about the circumstance. And I gave you very little, so you may already to know, okay, it's where it was. He happened, did she happen to be standing next to so-and-so when this happened? Because there's some kids that are just going to pull each other down. So there's, there's different things to know is restructuring going to be needed here. What else? Is this a good candidate for extinction? No. No. Okay. Number one, you already got a phone call. So trust me, we're way past extinction because something's already happened at the school enough to get you a phone call. But even if it wasn't, odds are pretty good you're not going to say, I'm just going to ignore the fact that the kid's lying 
Because what the kid just learned is, oh, wow, that worked. Okay. Now, you think on into the other levels. What might work? What might be useful? Okay, so what kind of logical consequences? And first, before logical consequences are applied, we have to rule out natural. So could natural consequences work here? What would a natural consequence of the lying be? She, 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 did, she lied about turning in her homework. Okay. So that's what she did. Got a failing grade. Yep. So she got a failing grade. And every single time, there's a lack of trust. Now, for that to work, what has to be true? She has to care about it, whether she gets a good grade or bad grade. She has to care about the grades. Mm -hmm. She has to be aware of the lack of trust. Mm -hmm. And she has to care. Mm -hmm. Now, to be honest with you, my parents trusting me usually got me something. So I think I would have cared if, uh, for the parents. Because they didn't trust me. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> Everything just clamped. But the teacher, I'm not real sure I cared. I'm, I'm thinking back. I, you know, there's some I probably did and some I didn't. So don't know yet. So there's a little exploration that has to take place with that. And, yeah, it's possible you may actually decide, you know what, I'm not going to do a thing. And I might even say to the teachers, so here's the problem. We've been talking about this. It's happened with me, too. Um, if I do nothing, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to fail her on the assignment. Or she lied to me, so she just, you know, the, the discipline structure says she just gave up a week's worth of recesses. You know what? By the, that, by the way, is natural consequences on your part and logical on theirs. The recesses part. Um, sounds good to me. I, I'm, I don't want that to happen to her, but I think she needs to experience this. Now, you are now, by the way, utilizing the parenting team to advantage, which is always a good thing. So, okay, now if that, if you think, you know what, she's not going to care. What logical consequences? We talked about she fails, so okay, there's a logical consequence on the school's part. What about on your part? Let's say she asks to go over to her friend's house to play. Well, I'm sorry, but I can't trust you. I'm yeah. sure you're going somewhere else. So. Perfect. You know, I, I used to trust you, but then you decided that you, you didn't want me to trust you. And she's looking at you like, well, what? Well, you lied. And that's what you're deciding when you lie. So my problem is I have no way of knowing for sure that's what you'll do. And I can't give the time right now to following up. So, no, you're going to need to stay home. It's beautiful. Okay. Now, will that work on a six-year-old? Probably not. They won't like it. Yeah, but the, the six-year-old won't necessarily make the jump. But that 11 or 12-year-old we're postulating, oh, yeah. They're going to totally get that. What if they're not lying and they're just lazy? Like, really, they're, they're not lying, but they're just lazy. Hey, did you do your homework? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it did. Okay, different scenario. The lying is a scenario that I brought up because in my scenario, teacher caught them lying and turned her, turned her into me. Now we got, give me an age. Uh, 13. Got a 13-year-old boy, because we had a girl. Boy. So we got a 13-year-old boy. And he tells you that his homework is done when, in fact, 
It's not done, apparently. Correct. Okay. Is this a discipline issue? Yes. Okay. Is this a correction issue? Yes. I realize it seems a little obvious, but we really do need to ask ourselves those questions. Mm-hmm. All right, now that we've come to there, is it level one, level two, level three? Well, that gets back to some questions. What are the questions we need to ask? How often does it happen? Has it happened before? Has it happened 30 times before? Are they in control? Am I sure this is, uh, he's lazy and he f- he's just forgot? I mean, do, does he have all the necessary, I don't know, paper, construction paper, colors, computer, okay. yeah. tools? Okay, yeah. 13-year-old, probably more the, the computer and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, but yeah. Okay, so I've, I'm, I'm asking all those questions now. What methods might be useful? Always communication. Find out why. Yeah. Because, I mean, if they don't understand their homework, and they're, you know, if they're 13-year-olds, it's, my kids do it, they're like, yeah, yeah, I did it. They don't understand it, so they think they did it. Yeah. Okay. Or is it laziness? Now, honestly, I'm trying to picture laziness as not a lie. Laziness equates to them thinking they did it, so maybe it's like the other, and I did some, and then I kind of sloughed off and just didn't think it through and didn't do all of it. Right. Okay, fair enough, because that's, that's not something we want to have happen again. So we've got communication. What else? Natural consequence. Okay, could go for the natural consequence, which once again requires that he cares about his grades. But a lot of kids do. Okay, what else? Okay. See, here's the thing. If we, as we kind of sift through all of those things, we may be, my mind immediately would have gone to, to natural or logical consequences. Yeah. Simply because of the age. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute. What if the, the study habits, for example, are not such... I mean, how is it that a 13-year-old doesn't know whether or not he did this? And it, to me, the only way that happens is if the structuring isn't working. So, okay, then restructuring probably something I want to look at. And maybe all that's needed is to sit down with him and say, you know what, I don't think you're trying to do this. So let's talk about a different way to set things up that'll set you up to succeed instead of fail. So now I've got restructuring that's on tap. We haven't quite figured out how we're going to do it yet, but we'll figure it out. And then communication joined with it. And when I'm done with that, that's when I know. Now, by the way, if it's already happened, I'm probably going to, I, this is just personal, I'm probably going to not try to intervene with the school and uh, just let the natural consequence happen for the other one anyway. Because that's going to be a great motivator for the kid to buy into the restructure. Mm -hmm. So, cool. I mean, they've already not done the homework, right? Now, if it's, if it's like midnight and they wake up and they come screaming into the room saying, Dad, I just remembered I didn't do the homework. Now I've got a decision to make. What's my decision? You let them do it now or tell them to stop. You're going to yeah. put and, and of the methods that we're talking about, what am I considering with that decision? 
Well, I'm, I'm, I, I need to always ask myself what my motivation, because if it's like, you twerp, what do you mean coming in here at midnight and doing this? But let's say I'm in a disciplined mode. I might be thinking about the natural consequences, but, but what I'm asking myself is, do I say, I'm sorry, but lights out was like two hours ago, so lights out. And then know that, yeah, there's going to be a consequence to it. Because now I'm, I'm actually dealing with logical consequences because I just enforced that. Or restructuring. Because remember, one of the four ways to restructure is to change the rules. So have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and said, oh, good grief, I forgot to do that? Okay. Did you say to yourself, no, you jerk, you went to sleep. You have to go ahead and go to sleep and... Deal with the consequences tomorrow. I don't care if it does cost you your job. So if this has not happened before, then maybe I say, you know what? Been there, done that. Tell you what, you go ahead and get it done. You're not going to like the way you feel in the morning, but you'll have it done. And maybe they don't do such a good job because it's midnight and they're tired and okay, but they get it done. And that's, that feels amazingly like what I've done on occasion when I've gone... Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that somehow at 3 in the morning. And, you know, I've gotten up at 3 in the morning and done things that were supposed to be done by 7. So now, if it's like once a week or once a night, okay, I'm probably somewhere along the line going to go back to either restructuring or consequences and, and say... would you consider that a lie then, if it's happening that frequently? Not necessarily, but that is a judgment you have to make. Do I believe this? Because, see, I know that I've done that many times. Um, I, I did something about two months ago that certain neurotic people in the body know because, believe it or not, there's people who chart in their heads. I hope they don't actually have a chart. <laughs> what I wear. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm on the platform. They can tell you if I wore the same boots. They can tell you if I wore the same jeans, if, if there's an identifying mark, so I try to wear jeans that are nondescript, they can tell you what shirt I wore. Oh, wow. And so I had several come to me and say, you tucked your shirt in and wore that other kind of shirt. You didn't wear the same kind of shirt. Well, the reason is because on Sunday mornings, I found that if I wear a shirt like this, I commute on a motorcycle, you guys know this, by the time I get here, from waist down, it's all crumpled. It looks horrible. Well... I mean, I'm a slave to fashion, so I don't want to look horrible. Yes, I know. Thank you very much. So, believe it or not, I actually wear a different shirt that I don't really care what it looks like. And it's one of those outdoor shirts that's, you know, the sleeves run a button up over here and it's flaps and whatever. And um, I have one of these uh, still in its wrapping from the dry cleaners. Uh, very gently folded on the top of my trunk, and I take it out and I change before I go back over there. And then I look nice and pretty for everybody and all of those neurotic people who are charting what I wear. And I got here about five, six weeks ago, and I went inside, and I started to change my shirt and realized I didn't have the other shirt. <laughs> oh, no. And so, yeah, I tucked it in because it comes down to my knees pretty much, and... Uh, and that, that day I wore it. And I was so self-conscious, you cannot believe it. Because I know those people are out there. I don't know who they all are until they tell me. So it's really scary. It's like, 
you know, landmines or something. And sure enough, numerous of them identified themselves as those people. So what I do now, now, if I hadn't changed my structure, that would have happened before and again. What I do is Saturday night in my little routine before I go to bed, I hang one of these shirts on the luggage rack on top of my motorcycle. I cannot put my briefcase in the trunk without moving it. I cannot move it without seeing it. I know whether I've got it, see. So I'm not going to do that again. So sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, until they find something like that or we help them find something like that, they're going to keep repeating it. I would. And, and then those people out there will say something. And in the kids' case, those people are their teachers. Mm -hmm. So we, we help them learn. And by the way, if you are like me and you've experienced something like that, share that with them. Because it helps them catch on to, okay, it is important for me to you know, change the pattern or something, and it works. Here's an adult who's actually held on to his job <laughs> because he changed a pattern. It works. And now, you, by the way, you've not only done communicating, but you've gone back to modeling in the, the prevention. And All right. How detailed should you get? Like, for example, what I did is I made you know, a spreadsheet, and here's all your homework. Mondays it's done, Tuesdays it's done, Wednesday. And his thought was, look, it, you're doing way too much for him. You restructured it, but... I think that's the question, but the problem is a lot of times you have those discussions, even with yourself, after you've done it. So, again, slow yourself down. Say, okay, we're going to think about this. Let him think about it, and then you guys pull away, talk about it. Because part of what you're doing is you're wanting him to learn the process, too. Right. Now, that's not true for a 5-year-old. But for a 13-year-old, absolutely it's true. So then to come back and say, all right, what have you thought? How can you keep this from happening again? And maybe they come up with something like, you know, hang the shirt on or whatever, um, well, I've got this post-it note right on my clock, and I look at my clock before I go to bed every night uh, to set the alarm, and it says, did you do your homework or whatever. Right. Okay, let them try it. But if they're not able to get the hang of it, then the more they're not able to do, the more you step in, and maybe you do help them put together something like that. Um, and sometimes it, it comes to even bringing in the secondary with my son, it wasn't so much not doing the homework as he wouldn't turn it in. It's like, wait a minute, you went to all the trouble of doing it and it's still in your backpack? What is with that? And he wasn't in a group that was giving him points for it or something. He just got distracted. And, and by the way, this is another good reason for not putting kids ahead of their grade because he was the earliest you could be by seven days, and go into school. Biggest mistake we ever made with him was putting him in instead of holding him back a, a year. Mm -hmm. So by the time his youngest sister, who was almost the same birthday, um, came to the same thing, nope, we held her back a year, smartest thing we ever did with her. So Josh was not that mature, and yet he's in junior high, he's expected to do all this for himself. So, okay, I think I used this with one of the classes, it may have been this one. Um, then here's what's going to happen. On Fridays, you're going to have a sheet. And you're going to take that sheet around to all of your teachers, and everyone's going to initial it. And that means their homework, your homework is done. That meant I had to talk to all the teachers and make sure they were willing to do it, and they understood what it was about. Okay? That means you've got all the homework. He is not behind on anything. 
Okay? And if you come home and that sheet isn't done, isn't filled out and signed, I don't even care if you've done your homework because he's doing it. It doesn't matter. You didn't turn it in. You didn't confirm it was turned in, which is what I needed. So you're choosing to spend your weekend doing more homework for the next week. How many times do you suppose it took? It did take? Probably two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought one. Mm -hmm. But the second one was he got distracted about handing the sheet in, or turning <clears throat> the sheet. He had forgot one teacher. Pulls the sheet out, starts to show it to me, sees a blank. Freaks out. But we're already driving away. Now, what's my temptation? They drive back. Drive back. Yeah. Yeah. Go get it. And I had to really wrestle with that one, honestly. And I didn't. And I don't know if, if I had. I'm not sure. It was so on the line, I'm not sure it would have been wrong. Because the teacher was probably still in there. I did let him come to the door of the car once and say, Dad, I forgot it. You're not in the car yet. So we kind of made getting in the car, that was the line. And he turns around 25 minutes later. That's how long it took him to track this teacher down. And, I mean, he was very close to that teacher leaving, but he got him and got it signed. That's why when we were middle, I mean, that's part of utilizing that parent team, too, yes. because middle schoolers, I had to sign their binder, you know, they had their binder reminders, and we had such a routine with that because if that is so common. And if that's any comfort. <laughs> I mean, it's very, very common in middle school that kids... It's common enough that I know teachers and even whole schools who do it, who require it. Oh, our whole school who do it up front. And we had to go, I had to yeah. go through as a teacher an initial that they had written in their binder reminder. So then they go home and they have no excuse. They have their binder reminder. They know their assignment. It's already been initialed. So they yeah. they can't plead like the fifth. Like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I mean, that's so Yes, you did. Yeah. And then, again, trust me, if you're willing to stick to your guns, and it's you got to be so calm. And, I mean, I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at him for what I was feeling. I have to admit that. But I was torn up because there was stuff he wanted to do. He was a very active kid. I'm sorry. I, I thought you wanted to do those things. But, no, if you decided to do your homework all weekend instead, we're good with that. What was the one thing he did he did do instead of homework, by the way? Can you guess? Go to church. Well, we don't go to church. Worship, worship. But yes, right. he, he did worship. Mm -hmm. And and he was actually part of the worship team of the youth worship, uh, played in the band. And he loved doing it. And that was one of the discussions. Dad, do I get to do that? He was like, well, there's a lot of other stuff that, you know, if this ever happened for the whole week, you would not. But we don't mess with worshiping the Lord. So absolutely. Well, isn't it a good thing to find your, their bent, too? Like if they're in a sport and they end up doing homework, they're not only letting themselves down, but they're letting the team down. Yeah. If that's their thing, like sports or whatever, and not being able to do that. I mean, that's a big consequence that hopefully that will... I follow, as, as some of you may, may be aware, I follow a certain team that's gotten off to the worst record in their history. God is teaching me things through that. But one of the things that I respected the most was their, their most famous coach 
was a very strong Christian, is a very strong Christian, he's still alive, and had a doctorate in educational psychology. Okay? It wasn't basket weaving or you know, PE or, no, it was, this guy had a, a, a deep, deep drive to help learning. And you did not fail to do your homework for college classes. We're talking 21, 22, 23-year-olds. You did not expect to play if you had done that. It wasn't going to happen. And boy, it didn't take long. I mean, you didn't find a 22-year-old doing that because they'd already been there several years and they knew better. It's like if you expect to put foot on the field, you're going to do this. So even though it would cost the team, you know, there's there's a, a couple of, of coaches that I've seen already this year who suspended players for unreported team violations. What that generally means is it wasn't a big deal. Because if it's a big deal, trust me, it's reported. Police know about it, you know. Little things. And yet they're suspended for one game, for two games, whatever. And some of these are All-American starters, but they're still suspended. And I have nothing but respect for coaches that will do that. Because they figured it out. It's, this is about these, in college, student-athletes not winning games. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's where we need to be, too. Okay, guys. Differences are harder for us. Yes. And embarrassing sometimes. Yes. You will find almost always they're at least as hard for you as they are for the kids. Well, thank you for being part of this. If any of you would like to consult, I encourage you to do it with one another. Feel free to uh, do so with me, but please do it because none of us has to parent alone. And the most effective things we come up with, a lot of the illustrations I use, I get to use them. That doesn't mean I came up with them. And so absolutely take advantage of that. So thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you.